what do you do when you come back to your city? You know, you can't live on retreat. And it's the same with, with meditation or any of these like peak transformational experiences. The magic is what happens when you come back. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Lauren. Tuning in from Austin. Hello. Yes. Lucky you. Lucky you. We got to actually spend the whole weekend in Austin together doing lots of fun family activities and biohacking. And now we are back. Well, I'm back in Vegas now and um, tuning in virtually. And we have a guest coming on today. We have Robbie Bent. And this conversation was just so beautiful and amazing. I feel so inspired to kind of upgrade even more of what I'm doing in my daily practice. And I just loved his energy and can't wait to share this episode with everyone. Yeah. I think he's doing some magical things and bringing this optimization to the public and making it cool. He kept saying that we're trying to make it cool because I think that's what we all want to know. Like, how do we make this part of a daily practice? We can all go on these long meditation retreats or, you know, go into a corner and biohack, but we need it to bring us closer to community and, and find a way to make it social and fun. And he is doing that. And I can't wait for him to come to New York and Vegas and Austin and take over the world to a city near you. You're all going to want to meet Robbie. You're all going to want to go to his facility. It's doing really, really awesome things. Yeah. And I love what he said about how in maybe a couple of years, biohacking isn't going to be called biohacking. It's just going to be living your life. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a great goal for all of us just to incorporate it on a daily basis. True, true. Yeah. Such all a cool right. guy. Such a cool guy. Um, you all are going to love him. So just a little bit more about Robbie. So Robbie Bent is a leader in the mental health space with the goal of making mental health more accessible. He is building Inward Breathwork, the world's leading breathwork mobile app, and a network of healthy social spaces with sauna and ice bath classes. Robbie is also a director at the largest psychedelic medicine venture fund, Vine Ventures, which has committed to giving 50% of profits to mental health research. He's doing amazing work. Definitely check out the show notes so you can see the links to his app, his website, what he's doing on social media. Just lots of great stuff to be tuning in to and following along with. Here we go. You're going to learn a lot more. Welcome, Robbie, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We're so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks. Grateful to be here. I'm really excited. Yeah, us too. We're so thankful that a mutual friend introduced us. Um, And then actually another mutual friend told us more about you. So we were like, oh my gosh, your story is so amazing. And the work you're doing is incredible. We were like, we need to share this with our audience. So thank you so much for joining us today. So today we're going to talk about breath work, meditation, psychedelics, mental health, community, so many, so many exciting topics. But before we dive into some of that, we would love if you would share your story of how you battled your own personal issues and kind of regained your health using some of these modalities. Yeah, I think it's really important to go into the why and to understand why are people creating these things. And also for for listeners to know, a lot of times you listen to these health podcasts and it's like, wow, that's unobtainable. You know, all this person like they're an Ironman athlete and so disciplined and I could never be that. And, And so I'd love to start with my story because I was really struggling. And I think that's actually way more common. Uh, then the other way around, I look at most of my friends, 30 to 40, and they're just, they're overwhelmed. They feel burnt out. They're struggling with, you know, Uber Eats or shopping or drugs and alcohol, or just, you know, addicted to their phone, whatever it is. There, there's just a lot right now in society. It's, it's hard to be healthy. Uh, so I just want to put it out there before I tell my story. Like if, you know, if you resonate with that, it's, it's okay that you're not, you're not perfect. So my story, I was really wanted to be successful from when I was young. My, my, dad's pretty successful. And I saw that and my parents are Eastern European and very much like, you know, 
you're going to do well in life if you succeed and, you, and you're wealthy and you do well in school and you have a good job. And so I thought, oh, well, if I have a good job and make money, people will like me. And so I had a lot of like insecurities uh, growing up. And so I you know, went to business school and then I was an investment banker and I just thought, oh, I want to be successful. And from investment banking, I started uh, a tech company at 24 and raised a whole bunch of money, built out this global telecom platform, had 100 people working for me. Um, and everything felt like it was going really well. And then the company itself, um, just due to like a lot of mistakes on, on my behalf, um, and like being in a very competitive space, it started to fail. And for two years, I dealt with, you know, firing staff, investors calling me and like kind of being pretty antagonistic and this sense of like fear and dread. And at the same time, while I was doing that since high school, you know, struggled with ADHD, um, was performative, but um, very interested in stimulation. So, you know, extreme sports, drugs and alcohol, uh, intense work sessions, and just very like intense person, love coffee, all, uh, you know, all these kind of things that are stimulating. And I uh, was struggling with drugs and alcohol abuse from university, uh, basically all the way through until I was 28. And so as the company started to fail, I got more and more stressed. I didn't really have an outlet for what to do. And so I would turn on the weekends to, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol and sort of disappear for a day or two at a, at a time. And the company ended up failing. I was kind of the last one there. I'd lost all the money I'd put in, you know, my parents had invested, friends had invested, and I was sort of at, at rock bottom. I was kind of sitting there living in my parents' basement. I had to move out of my nice apartment. I was just thinking like, you know, looking at my friends that in business school now are starting to become successful. And like, you know, it's like, Hey, let's go for dinner. And I can't afford to go. And just feeling like, what am I going to do? And, and really feeling like a, like a failure. Like I had no options, uh, quite a bit of fear around that. And so sort of by luck, you know, I kind of got into meditation. I read some of Tim Ferriss's materials and four hour work week about like building a morning routine. And I just thought like, I'll start with the morning routine. Maybe that's something I can really grab onto to bootstrap my day. Got, got interested, you know, did a bunch of reading on meditation, ended up trying to just switch my entire environment. So I moved to Israel, uh, which was pretty crazy because I don't speak Hebrew. I'm not Jewish. I knew nobody there. And I moved there to um, look at investing in hardware companies and with some people that had backed my first startup. And there I decided to do a Vipassana meditation. So for those listening, it's a 10-day silent retreat with 10 hours of meditation per day. It's a pretty disciplined schedule. And that was the first time I really noticed awareness of my thoughts. So this, for me, this limiting belief of like, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. It, it then means, you know, I want validation from others to feel better about myself. And it's super common in people who, you know, work really hard, want to be high performers, uh, is this ideal that like, I need external uh, validation. And so I had no idea that's what was going on with all my decisions and sort of, you know, the deep meditation over 10 days, you start to realize these patterns, these feelings, these emotions, what's behind them. Uh, at that Vipassana retreat, I learned about psychedelic medicines. Uh, soon after, I'd flown to Peru, where I did my first four ayahuasca ceremonies. I had done some in Israel, but these were the first four, like, real, like, in the jungle, deep, intense uh, healing. And since then, uh, I've actually been sober and really passionate about the combination of psychedelic medicines occasionally. For me now, it's maybe once, twice a year, like deep dive therapeutically, we'll call it, and then a daily mindfulness practice. Uh, so for me, it's meditation, sometimes breath work. And with those two things in hand, my life turned around. You know, I had this really strong practice. I felt really good about myself for the first time. I ended up meeting my fiance. We're getting married next month. And then I moved to San Francisco and, you know, through somewhat luck, I, I joined the Ethereum foundation and the Ethereum ecosystem, uh, which has exploded. And all of a sudden I went from like rock bottom to, you know, financially doing well. I took this big risk. I'm around all these smart people, like really passionate about what they're doing. I've got this awesome fiance and I'm putting in place all these health practices that I learned about through her. So that's kind of how I got in to the health and wellness space. And this is now, you know, five and a half, six, six years ago. And just sort of, you know, continuing these practices as I, as I learn about them. Mm. So cool how experience like that, like a meditation retreat can just propel you and open your eyes to something else. And it's like, there's 
there's no looking back for you. Was there, were there baby steps? Was it like two steps forward, one step back? Or were you fully in? I know a lot of people experience these things. And of course, the integration piece is so difficult or they enjoy it. And they're like, I don't know how to put this into my lifestyle. How do I make these changes to make this actually stick? Such a good question. And that's the other thing to take note of for listeners is like, it's always two steps forward, one step back. It's still after, you know, six years down this path, like, oh, am I really improving? And because some of the feelings are still there. Like you have these patterns, these programs you develop when you're young to deal with like failure, rejection, and they're stored pretty deep. And then they drive your, your thoughts. And so it's not like those beliefs just change. And, and so, you know, I'll still feel like, you know, I want uh, validation and it feels good to be noticed and stuff like that. But my behavior patterns have completely changed. So how I used to do that, it's like night and day, but still I'll look back and be like, oh, you know, am I improving? Am I good enough? So if you've done some of these things and you've fallen back, totally okay. So after the first meditation retreat, I still wasn't aware that like I shouldn't be drinking. And so, you know, I was meditating, but I would go out and get blackout wasted. And that happened for probably eight months until I found ayahuasca. And even after that first ayahuasca, the first six months, like on fire, you know, just feeling like so connected to life. And then eight months in, oh, maybe I should go out and drink again. And, and now that feeling has passed, but it took quite a while and it took a lot of other habits. And so it's always like two steps forward, one step back, and that's totally okay. And you know, now sometimes I feel I'm a crave stimulation. So if I'm working too hard, like fast food at night, you know, or just like even working too hard in general, having too much stimulation, looking at my phone. So I think it's pretty common. Like life has a way of sucking you in. And so the point is just like be kind to yourself and just keep going right and then like how do you surround yourself with community and good people that can inspire you and i think that was the major difference because i had a lot of friends who i sent on psychedelic medicine retreats and you know probably 50 plus and when they came back always this 30 days six weeks of like i feel great i'm, I'm ready like behavioral change like let's go i'm inspired and then that sort of fades and so it's what do you do when you come back to your city? You know, you can't live on retreat. And it's the same with, with meditation or any of these like peak transformational experiences. The magic is what happens when you come back. And that's really why we're building what we're building is to kind of help people who've, who've had those experiences uh, integrate them, as you said. Yeah, it's yeah. so important to have people to coach you and support you because otherwise you know, our, our default mode network just keeps sucking you back in. <laughs> you need someone right there. So I'm in Austin right now. My friend's house and we had like a cold plunging party yesterday it was like everyone's doing all the biohacks it just makes such a difference when you have other people around you coaching you through it enjoying it maybe there's some breakdowns but like you work together you are not alone i love that you're leading this charge into making this stuff sociable fun cool i think is the word that that you used and i think it's really cool and i want everyone else to think it's cool so what were you gonna say right yeah it should be cool it absolutely should be. It should be the new Friday night hangout. Um, I was just curious. I've heard multiple people say they've done an ayahuasca retreat. They come back and they stop drinking. They, you know, they make these changes. What do you think is actually happening there? Is it what is going on in the brain? Is it neuroplasticity? Is it the ability to change the healthy habits? What do you think the big change is? So nobody, I mean, there's assumptions they don't really know i mean there's these assumptions that well one is that you know you mentioned the default mode network uh so the part of your brain with the prefrontal cortex that creates your sense of identity so over time it becomes more solidified as you as you get older so 25 to 30 and as a result you mentioned neuroplasticity your your like belief patterns are quite entrenched and so you think of like one analogy that you hear in Michael Pollan's book is, you know, somebody skiing down a slope and the grooves are getting deeper and deeper and your thought patterns become the same. So you get up every day and it's the same thought patterns you have. And so the idea is the psychedelic medicines shut down that part of your mind that creates the, you know, I'm a male, I'm a funny guy, I'm shy, I'm aggressive, I'm like a tech entrepreneur and whatever these feelings you have of like who you are, those aren't real. Those are things that are created based on, you know, stored memories and emotions and experiences that you've had. And so when you take psychedelic medicines, that part of your brain shuts down. It, it does so in, in meditation also. And as a result, a few things happen. One, you feel connected. You, you start to feel, wow, I'm not those things, which is 
and you can listen to that and understand it now. Okay, get what he's saying, but you experientially feel like all people are the same, and these like programs I'm running of who I am, they are not real, and it's it's just very eye opening to see that because you're so identified with like these grievances and you know arguments you've had and like the things that you've done, and and you realize like wow, I'm actually not any of those things, and as a result, you feel way more connected to other human beings. You feel like this sense of, of love, which is quite great. And then at the same time, uh, they call it like shadow work where a bunch of pieces of you that you haven't identified will come up. And so in that state, uh, a lot of trauma is processed. And so you see psychedelic medicines as treatment for uh, nervous system dysregulation, things like depression, um, PTSD. These traumas, these feelings come up. And like one I've had was the first time I felt fear. You know, my, my mom, not you know, just kind of yelling at me as a child and pretty standard what a parent would do. But, you know, as a child, you don't know. And going back into that, like being like three years old, being yelled at for the first time, feeling like that fear and it comes up in these situations and you sort of process it and, and let it go. And as a result, you feel afterwards, like you've let go of like hundreds of pounds of emotional baggage. So there's this feeling after of just like, I'm okay. I'm lovable. Kind of a connection with your authentic self. So I think that's happening. And then in that space, it becomes easier to, as you said, like increase neuroplasticity, make new connections around behavioral change. So I really look at these things as one, the ability to process like stored trauma and emotion. And for you, if you're thinking, well, I don't have any trauma, it's not necessarily like I was assaulted or was in a car accident. It can be, you know, I gave a speech in grade two and somebody said I had a stutter or, you know, I was eating a cheeseburger and someone called me fat when I was a kid or I asked this girl out and, you know, she rejected me. Like everybody has moments of failure and rejection as you're just Mm -hmm. processing those, which is just like really, really powerful. And then also I feel you can set these intentions deep into the subconscious mind to reprogram beliefs. And that's what makes it easier to quit sugar, quit smoking, you know, stop drinking. So, and and it gives you a bit of power. So if you're thinking of like your coach and you're listening and you run a program using psychedelic medicines before or after the program could be fantastic for just giving a little bit of extra power. And even for me, I I started recently microdosing. I have before, but I've, I've noticed like just in terms of, I mentioned I was like pretty overstimulated running two businesses and like eating Uber Eats at night just because I would work all day, drink coffee, be stressed and then order fast food. I haven't done that. I'm, you know, pretty obsessed with health. I haven't done that in years. And it just <laughs> happened over the last six months during COVID. And so I started microdosing uh, one, two days a week and just noticed like on those days, I don't have any craving for the fast food. I just feel this urge to be healthy. So it's, I, I think there's a lot and it, they're still struggling. Like initially they thought it was a shutting down of the default mode network. Now they're thinking there's other networks in the brain. So explaining exactly why it's happening, not particularly possible yet, but you can definitely see that it is happening. So the ability to change your behavior, if that's something you're listening to now, these compounds can be like hugely powerful for that. Mm, yeah. I think that's amazing because uh, you, we have a great point. Like everyone has some trauma, like it's not just like these huge traumatic events. And I think a lot of those, maybe things that are subconscious now are impacting people on a daily basis. Like just overeating or not wanting to go to the gym and they don't even realize what's stopping them. So if this could potentially allow people to break through that, I think it's just, it could be endless what it could do for people. And I've, I've thought about this, you know, my whole life, I've been that person that's afraid to ask questions in class. And I, I don't remember this. Huh? Same. (laughs) Yeah. Like I should ask it. I should ask it. Oh, missed my chance. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that maybe when I was like in kindergarten or first grade, I asked a quote unquote stupid question. I think someone maybe called me out and it like subconsciously has impacted me for my, for the rest of my life. I mean, that's just one example, but I think we all have things like that to work through. So I just think this is, this is potentially so powerful. Yeah. It sounds like you're cleaning out the hard drive on your computer. It's like, let's get rid of all the bad memories or this, the storage files that are no longer serving us. Let's kind of start clean. But I'm like, Computer, we're accessing our higher self and raising vibration by using that repatterning. I think that's so cool. And, you know, everyone's experiencing so much anxiety. I'm not really a Facebook person, but when I do get on there, I'm like, whoa, everyone's on the verge of breaking down right now because of 
these like the dopamine addictions, how do we even begin to address that? So say you can't go to a 10 day meditation retreat or go do ayahuasca in Peru. How do we start breaking that down just on a day-to-day basis for people experiencing that? Yeah. So this is kind of why we built what we've built and it's using these things, these tools that physiologically shut down the prefrontal cortex, get you into your body, but then wrapping them in, in fun, right? So making it like most people, the reality is, and I saw it, I tried this with my friends for, for six years and I tried to teach meditation. I went to this meditation retreat. I told everyone about it and the response is like, I could never do that. Yeah. And even friends who, you know, did three months, 10 minutes a day were like, uh, I have it on my phone. I've stopped doing it. And like super disciplined people. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I tried meditation and I, I gave up, like totally fine. That's, that's the common answer is like people struggle because the feedback loop is long. Like if you think of a 10 day retreat, it sounds hardcore, but it's also two years of 10 minute meditations in one go. And so if you think of it, like learning a new skill, you know, playing an instrument, something like that, that's kind of what's needed to feel the benefits and, and continue. And once people have done that 10 day retreat, they know you know, okay, I felt the benefit. I felt the value. I know where I can go with it. And so I saw that just, mm-hmm. you know, out of 200 friends, maybe like seven or eight have a practice and, and did their retreats. And then with psychedelic medicines, like firstly, they're, they're illegal, right? Um, outside of ketamine in the US. Secondly, what I saw with a lot of people going on retreat who are like, quote unquote, it's called healthy. If, you know, you're struggling with PTSD or depression or, or mental illness, completely different. But let's say you're just healthy, stressed, looking to like release trauma, they would go and beautiful experience, like amazing. You know, you come home, you just want to talk about it with your friends and studies. People who go through these experiences rank it as like a top five moment in their life uh, up there with like giving birth and, you know, getting married. Like that's how powerful they are. But then when my friends came home without the system in place, they would within a month fall back to their old routines. And so I kind of saw those things happening, even with, you know, these, these transformational practices and started to wonder like, okay, how can we help people make change that's more accessible? And so in my mind, it had to be like immediate feedback where they feel it instantly. There had to be a community piece around it and it had to be fun. And so what we're doing really kind of just stumbled out of a side project, which is super cool. So, you know, I I didn't have cold water in my house. And so I'd done the Wim Hof training amazing like legends and always going to yeah and I, I was always going to bathhouses like that's what i was doing for fun because i was sober and so i probably went to 70 bathhouses around the world and like that's what we would do on vacation conferences it would just always be so much fun nobody's on their phone because you can't bring your phone in you're in a bathing suit which itself means you're way more present the cold and hot lead to scientific changes in the brain which are actually fantastic for socializing which we can get into but start with an ice bath in my backyard. And it started as like a longevity thing. Like I was just using it every day. I'd listened to all the podcasts and we're having people every night, like, you know, community, friends, people are posting it on Instagram. And we started combining it with sound bowls, essential oils, and realized that it's not really a, it is for sure a longevity, like amazing health benefits, but it's actually a mental practice. And so we started teaching people to do a four minute meditation in the ice bath and seeing like, holy shit, this works, you know, like investment banker comes by, doesn't give a shit about spirituality and they're in the zone, like they're in the present. And so we started layering on top of the ice bath, these sound bowls, uh, subconscious reprogramming, self-hypnosis, all these really cool, like classes, you know, we'd have two people get in, hold hands, do eye gazing and connect their, their breathing and heartbeats. We would have people go like and do three ice baths in a row until they're shivering and do a trauma release exercise. And then you know, we'd have a fire pit and, and it grew. So a couple hundred people in the WhatsApp chat, then it got cold out. And so what you see behind me is my, our like prototype space. And so we bootstrapped ice bath, sauna and tea room and opened it up to booking and like hundreds of people started coming. And then wow. what we found was really cool is, you know what? It's not even a mental health practice or mindfulness practice. It's like, a, it's a community, you know, community class. So Exactly. And to my knowledge, the, I think we're the first to be doing like guided classes in these elements. And what I mean by that is, you know, think of the sauna, you can control the light, so you can have it dark, you can have a light show, you can control the, the sense of smell. So you have essential oils over the stove, which can create emotional change. You have heat, you have humidity, uh, and then you have like touch and sound. And so we started thinking of it like, imagine a yoga studio, right? But with all those elements and doing classes, 
And so a class would be like complete dark and you would push yourself until you got so hot that you felt uncomfortable. And then you'd feel that anger and discomfort coming up and you would feel it in your body and let it go through your sweat with like some type of vocal toning or yelling. And so we designed six to 10 different classes using the hot and cold to get you into your body. And then we saw it like explode. People like what happened? Like this was almost a psychedelic like experience where my mind stopped thinking I was totally in my body and I like connected to others. Like I would see people come in, like never would you expect this person to have an emotional release. And that's not what they were even coming for. They come because it looks cool and it was fun. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh my God, you know, I'm having trouble connecting with my daughter and it's so difficult for me. And you're like, whoa, like I wasn't expecting that. And, and then that connects the group, right? It makes people feel a part of the community. It makes them feel inspired. Like they're all growing together and, and it's cool. And so to me, there's a future where you have like these classes to create compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, joy, uh, fear release, anger release. And they're done in a community in a space that feels like a Soho house. Like, why would you not want to do that? So we're now building yeah. a new space with a 45 person sauna, crazy sound system, four wow. ice baths and a, a tea room. And from five to eight, it will be classes. So like sound bath in the sauna, breath work in the sauna, partner ice baths where you like hold hands, like I mentioned, and then 8 PM to 1 AM, it will be a social, a bar and just no alcohol. And so like ecstatic dance, louder music, people around the fire, more chill. And so you kind of have a mixture of like, you know, what people know from fitness classes, but then with socializing. And for me, it's like, okay, I'm, you know, 25 to 40. I still want to go out and have fun. Like they're just as someone who was sober, there wasn't an environment for me to do that in. It was like, really mm -hmm. conducive to still being healthy. And so if you're a biohacker, you're into psychedelics, you're into meditation, you're an entrepreneur, and like, you don't want to have five beers anymore. Like, where do you go? And so we were like, let's make something that's like, you'd expect to be really cool and fun and inspiring, but then uh, make it healthy at the same time. And so that's the main thing we're building. And I really think like having a community center like this in every city for people coming back from transformational experiences is going to be key. I, I want to come right now. You can just give me your address and I'm on my way because <laughs> my experience with biohacking was in New York City where there are a lot of health conscious people, but biohacking is maybe not as big as in LA or maybe where you are in Toronto. And so it does feels a little bit isolating because the, the deeper you go and the more you reveal and the more you grow physically, spiritually, whatever, it's like you can't hang out in the same environments and in the same circles anymore. So I think that's just so powerful and, and having that growth with someone else and bonding because it's, it's empowering. Not only is you're like, I can't do that turns into an I can, but suddenly it's like a topic. Amazing to be able to talk about that. I, I don't often talk with my, I'll just say normal New York friends with like how cool my cool plunge or my sauna was. <laughs> I would love to make that commonplace. So yeah. And then yeah. the cool thing yeah. about the space is we, it's not even biohackers coming. It's just normal people. And so it's gone beyond the like, because the thing, what you're seeing now is everybody's promoting this stuff for health benefits, which are great and like totally exist. And like, you know, in David Sinclair's book, Hot and Cold, Hormesis, Putting Your Body Under Stress, one of the best things you can do for longevity, along with fasting, as your listeners probably know. But that's how it's promoted. And you go to these places and it's like a single room where you do a float or an ice bath or an infrared sauna. What makes it cool and mainstream is like we're not promoting we're saying like hey you want to feel better like come in and you're going to feel gratitude and you're going to do it in a group and the music's going to be cool and so it's like it's actually mostly people who aren't into biohacking or even know the science they're just coming because like they see an instagram video and it's like two people getting into the ice bath crazy music playing like, oh, like what is happening here so i think that making oh, cool. you know you mentioned how can the normal person reduce their dopamine stimulation and like it's by getting into their body and so i think where we've been lost before is like not making the stuff approachable for the mainstream. And while Wim Hof's amazing, it's, it's not a many people that can't want to go climb a mountain in my shorts and be resilient. Like that's not, you know, for most people, it's just like, Hey, I want to feel a bit better and not look at my phone. So, uh, I think there's just a ton of room to make these ancient practices, hot, cold, breathwork, fasting, like fun and, and group based. 
Yeah. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. I just wanted to take a quick break from today's show to tell you about one of our favorite supplement companies, Keon. They make a couple amazing products that are just our absolute go-tos, such as the Keon Aminos for building muscle and helping us get through a fast, the Keon Lean, which helps with blood sugar support, weight loss, and Keon Flex to keep our joints healthy so that we can hit the gym extra hard the next day. And even the coffee is fabulous. So the coffee is super, super clean, mold-free. They test it, and it also tastes delicious. They even have a dark roast coffee now. So those are just a few of our top favorites, but Keon has a ton of great stuff, so definitely check out their website. If you go to getkeon, and that's K-I-O-N.com, slash biobabes, You can check out all of their awesome products. And then at checkout to get 15% off, just use code BIOBABES15. And in case you need the link, we will put that in the show notes for today's episode. All right. If you have any questions, let us know. Hope you enjoy the products. I mean, I think just like you said, the opportunity to do something other than going out to a bar. I mean, we all want to go out on the weekend and socialize with our friends, but I think most of us are tired of feeling hungover and not productive the next day and sleeping like crap. Like we're just over it. But until there's a solution or another option for people, I think it's hard to get out of that vicious cycle. Um, I think that's really exciting. So the the dopamine connection, um, I know you did a dark retreat, which is like a total step back from everything. And how, how did that impact you as far as like the dopamine and the stimulation and maybe some addictions to things? Yeah. And so I just found if I'm working too hard, even if it's on something I love, so we're building a, you know, a breathwork app, which has some of the best breathwork content in the world and done stuff for like Soho House, and Field Trip, and Mind Bloom, and some of the largest content providers. And then we're also building this physical space I mentioned. And it's just, it's a lot, you know, and it's really like, go, go, go all the time. And during COVID, a bunch of things happened that weren't expected. So first, like gym closes. So all of a sudden, personally, I don't really like working out at home. I hate, like my home doesn't have like a space where I can just like music super loud. There's not like the energy around it. I don't have, like, I like working out like CrossFit, like get training style, like various boot camp stuff like that, where it's like a vibe. Yeah. yeah and so all too. of a sudden, you know, I'm not, I'm not like working out anymore. So, okay, fine. You know, then uh, because we're all on Zoom, there's no like break. And it's just like 12 meetings a day. And all of a sudden, I'm just drinking coffee. I'm not eating properly. And I'm like, because of those two things, I'm having breeds at night. It's impacting my sleep. And then we have physical space. So I'm super worried about COVID. Like, what is going on? You know, figuring like, I got to be on Twitter looking like, what's the restrictions? What's happening in you know the UK now? And it's trying to keep an eye because we put our life savings into these physical spaces and we can't run them, you know? So I'm always on Twitter now and I'm like, also like when you're on internet time, you can move like five times faster. So I'm in like a hundred slacks and responding to email. You're just, you're not present at all. You're so fast. Whereas if you have a dinner with a human being, you're talking at like regular speed, one conversation. Cause I found a combination of all those things made it. So I just needed so much stimulation. Like I'd wake up first thing, look at my phone and even, even like maintaining the hot, cold meditation practice, breathwork practice. I was still like getting deep into this and, you know, if you're listening, it's just a reminder, like you always need breaks. And so I'd read this thing about dopamine fasting by Dr. Cam Seppa from Maximus. It's a pretty cool idea. It was just uh, in the evenings, a couple hours, screens off, relax, go for a walk, meditate, exercise, whatever it's going to be. Uh, one day a week, one weekend a quarter, one week per year, take a break. And that, that kind of stuck with me. And so personally, I love to do these transformational experiences like once a year, once every two years. And so it might be of a pasana, a psychedelic retreat, dark retreat. I heard about this one called the Vision Quest, where you go into mm-hmm. the woods uh, for five, six days with no food and water. So that's kind of on the on the docket. I always like to see, like, yeah, <laughs> wow. it's like, wait, I would like to see, like, can I do it? You know, like, what's going to happen? And, and every time you come back from these transformational experiences, you feel amazing. And and what's happening? And you know, I had addiction to cocaine, so I know this firsthand. Is like, the more you do this thing, the more dopamine it creates the less you enjoy other, you know, the narrower and narrower your scope of enjoyment becomes. And so if you're addicted to social media, you're on your phone all the time. Well, that means that like going for a walk is less enjoyable. And so these experiences just press pause and you come back and it's like, okay, I'm not, my mind's not racing. You know, I can go for a 20 minute walk, and 
just like be present and just have a talk with my fiance and like be right in the moment. I'm not thinking all the time. Uh, so any way you can like short circuit that is great. I think if you're listening and like a dark retreat seems insane, like it is pretty insane. So that's, that's not what's required. Uh, I think what's required is just, you know, like I said, uh, breaks at night where you spend time to be bored playing an instrument, going for a walk, exercising, stuff where you just shut off. And I, you can be socializing. That's totally fine too. It's just like stuff that's like compulsive shopping, gambling, porn, social media, all these things that are like dopamine increasing. It's like, how do I um, give my brain some time to be bored? And so, you know, for, for somebody who's normal, just go and rent one of these like a hip camp or arcana or getaway, you know, uh, cabins in the woods for a weekend. Don't bring your phone, bring a book. And just spend it in, in nature. Super simple, really easy to do, accessible for most. If that's not affordable, you know, a tent, go outside and, and stay away from your phone for, for two days. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah. And it's not just staying away from, you know, the EMFs, Bluetooth and, and dopamine fix, but we're also rebalancing like our masculine and feminine because technology is so masculine and it's so forward thinking that we can't be present. So we have to get that nature and, and get the more feminine, you know, put our our feet in the earth. Are there any other stacks that you like to do? I love you bookend your day, beginning and end with you know none of that simulation. Anything else to put in there? Yes, I have a I have a lot, and I've I've like been into this stuff for a really long time, and like you know, you guys, Peter Tia and Rhonda Patrick and Ben Greenfield and Dave Asprey and my my fiance is a registered dietitian nutritionist, so we're like super into all this stuff. And I've tried like probably every products and one thing i've learned like i used to have a four-hour morning routine and it was like you know my fitness pal every single thing i eat tracking it and now i've become quite a bit more lazy with those routines and i haven't noticed a huge change in, in happiness uh so i would just say you don't need to do all these practices like you can it's really easy to get overwhelmed and have like you know the whole thing and so Your health to-do list Exactly. And if that's causing you anxiety, it's kind of beyond the point. Like to me now, it's more like, how do I just let go? And there's an amazing chapter I just read in Stillness is the Key, which I've read a couple of times. It's like a, it makes the idea of meditation really easy. And they're just like being still. It's about this archery teacher, master archery teacher. And, you know, it's, it's just not, a, they for six months would just shoot arrows into bales of hay and like not even care about the target. And it's this idea of, like the result doesn't matter about non-attachment. And so I actually found myself more happy when I'm not grasping, like, oh, I've got to, you know, tracking my calendar and all this, this stuff. So yeah. I found for me, what I'm most happy is when I'm like letting go and relax. So I'm trying to be more in flow now and not be so like, have so much self-judgment. Um, that said though, I love the Apollo Neuro device. I use it every day. It's a pretty cool biohacking tool. I, I have mine on right now. Yeah, so I wear it all day. I try to Clear use it and a couple focus. hours. So it, I, I really like that. I like when I wake up. Andrew Huberman is amazing. I listen to all his podcasts. I think he's fantastic. I go outside when I wake up in the morning. I've got an assault bike outside and I just ride it for you know five to 10 minutes and oh, uh, get sunshine. <laughs> so, right, so you're getting right. like movement and sunshine right away. I have a Verilux light on my desk. And so if I'm not getting sunshine because I live in Toronto, I turn the, the light on. But all these things are like pretty simple. It's not like a massive routine. And then I like to start my day with an upregulated uh, breath work, which is like, you could think of it as like a Wim Hof, mini holotropic, like just your breathing quite quickly to create a fight or flight response. And so obviously use our app. It's got like amazing music and then we infuse it with uh, some gratitude. So just 10 minutes, three rounds of like a Wim Hof style over electronic music with three questions you ask yourself each day. Like, what am I grateful for? What's a relationship I'm grateful for? What would make today great? And so I'll do that. And so it's the whole thing is like 20 minutes and then uh, I'll usually start working. I love coffee. I boil chaga in a pot in an instant pot and i always have a thing of chaga which i bring make my coffee water with take a bunch of supplements which we can get into if that's of interest and then at night uh i really like to and this fell off during covid so just an example of not judge yourself and i'm like why am i not able to do my nighttime routine but when i do i notice i sleep so well and so it's like having a shut off and so we have like an unwind section on our app and it might be like six minutes of coherent or box breathing. And then with the suggestion of like 
tell your mind you're done work for the day and you can relax. You're not like thinking about stuff and then send a problem to your subconscious. And then, so do that kind of end of day. And then a perfect night would be stretching with Ramwad, my fiance, instead of TV to really relax. I sometimes take a bath with like nitric oxide, uh, boosting material citric acid and, and um, baking soda, which can be fantastic for boosting nitric oxide in the body, which increases immunity. And then at night, bed super cold, use the eight sleep, have an air conditioner oh, right beside my room, man. a Dyson air purifier, blackout blinds. And I notice for sure, I don't get this all the time. Like we'll watch TV and stuff. But if I do that nighttime routine and have a good sleep, I use mouth tape also. Um, I feel like, you know, like I've been doing it the last week or so. I've been more into it and like 95s in my ordering every morning. So I have nice. the practices. I know them all. That stack with like really bookending the morning and the evening, but not like going crazy with it is awesome. Yeah. Not judging yourself if one thing slips or you exactly. just like, need a couple of days off. Like no big deal. Yeah. And I mean, you've really found what works for you. And I think everyone needs to do that. What stack can you fit in that doesn't stress you out? That makes you really feel optimized. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, sorry. I just wanted to circle back a funny story because you mentioned that getaway thing. I know there's a couple like retreats and stuff like that. I remember I saw getaway, the inventors of it or creators of it on shark tank, maybe four or five years ago. And they were talking about you know, we're building this cabin in the woods outside of New York City so that New Yorkers can get away from like the hustle and bustle and just disconnect for 24 or 48 hours. And the whole panel of Shark Tank was just like laughing. They're like, you think New Yorkers are going to leave the city and go sit in a cabin that has no electronics in it? <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are four or five years later and it exists and people want it. Oh, I'm always looking it. at the, the getaway in California near me. It's always booked. It's always booked. Mm. People are looking for it. Yeah, I keep trying to book on the East Coast and you can't. It's like months in advance. Oh, 2020 New Yorkers were like, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the way things are going. It's like 20 years ago, you, you didn't need this. But you, even you, you live in New York 20 years ago, like you're not, you're, you're more on in like South Dakota now than you would have been 20 years ago in New York because there were no phones. And so with the advent of the phone and how much of our life comes through the phone, it's just a completely different lifestyle. And so the practices you need to live in that world, like most people sedentary all day, not exposed to any like heat or cold stress, not enough movement or exercise, not getting outside on the phone all day, totally stimulated. And because you're stimulated, you're in like fight or flight. Our brain doesn't know we're not stressed. Like that Slack message comes in, the email comes in. We feel like we're getting chased by a lion basically. and as a result, we breathe through our chest and our breathing patterns are off. And so, you know, amazing book, Breath by James Nestor and, and another one, Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McKeon, but, you know, 75, 90% of people's foundational breathing is off, which means increased anxiety, poor focus, bad sleeps. That is the baseline, right? And like 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. So now you need the bazooka to like live in today's society and, and thrive. Right. So like yeah. you need to be fasting, you need to use hot cold, you need to use breath work. And it's, it's not like hippie or weird or energy based. It's just science. It's pure science of like why this stuff, you know, and you have people like the best neuroscientists at Stanford are literally preaching this stuff. So it's, it's real. And I think people are now know like there's, there's research reports on how nature makes the body feel, how it gets you more into the parasympathetic rest and digest system. And as a result, in that nervous system state, you know, you're more likely to produce oxytocin, you're more likely to feel meaning, you're more likely to feel connected. So like, bam, there's scientific research why being in nature is going to make you feel better about your life and more connected to other humans, more belonging. So yeah, I think that this yeah. stuff, it would be very clear, science-backed evidence, and the stuff is cool and fun. And so in the next 10 years, like this is where people are going. Yeah. I mean, those people that say like, why do you biohack? You don't need to do that. Our ancestors didn't do all this, but you're right. In 2021, I mean, we're exposed to way more things than we were, like you said, even 20 years ago. Um, it's becoming necessary. I don't even think it's going to be called like biohacking. It's just going to be called like living your life. Living. Like, that's yeah, just exactly. like, hey, you know, like it's, yeah. And it's so obvious yeah. and the stuff will become mainstream. I, like, I'm so convinced that mm -hmm. I just see when it's, put in the appropriate container. Like we'll have people come over and breathwork to date is amazing, but it's very much like geared at athletes. So you have XPT, Wim Hof, it's like resilience athletes, very masculine. And then on the other side, you have holotropic and transformational breathwork, which 
creates incredible responses, but it's very much talking about rebirthing, transpersonal psychology, um, energy, spirits, and that turns off a lot of people. And so, you know, when people come in for us, we explain it in a science-backed way, what's happening in the body, what's happening at the cellular level, and then we make it fun. The music's pumping. So instead of a Friday night out at dinner drinking with friends, just like I mentioned the hot cold, we do breathwork classes in a group of 12, and you get people connecting and sharing. Like, even if they're friends, they start sharing like, what are they struggling with? What was the best moment of their year? What do they want to let go? And the end result is like pure connection. But now it's not wrapped in like booster athletic score. It's wrapped in like come out for this amazing, cool Friday night event. And I think when you do it that way, it's just, it's, it's all about accessibility. Yeah. And I think we need that for breath work, the accessibility. So I'm curious, what made you combine the music with the breath work? So just like the ice bath story, it all just sort of happened. So we were doing these really cool breathwork sessions, just based on like what I'd learned from, from Wim Hof. Uh, I love breathwork. I've been doing it for four years. We started guiding people through in our space uh, as something fun to do. And then I worked with a MAPS uh, MDMA principal investigator, and we created sort of like a like an intro to psychedelics, a prep. And so it was... You know, you would come in, you would do a share, like I mentioned, group share to like create trust amongst the group. We would then do a subconscious journaling for 25 minutes about what you wanted to let go. We then have a blindfold on and uh, do some trauma release, like shaking exercises. Then an hour of breath work, a visualization, a sound bath, and then a group share. And so the idea was like, what does a Friday or Saturday night birthday look like for people that like really want to connect without? alcohol and create this beautiful experience and it was so popular like people would do it once and like oh my god i need to bring my friends and my parents my coworkers. and so we ended up doing it for about 500 people and then during covid we, we had to stop and so we just started doing it online on zoom and every week we would just do it for free and get you know 100 people 200 people and then we started asking for recordings and then they were like oh could you make one for sleep or could you make one for you know financial strain or like my fear of mortality and we're like this is crazy. And people started sending us messages yeah. like, oh my God, I did your six recordings. And like, I wasn't able to leave my house during COVID and conquered my fear. And I'm like, ow. Okay, that's cool. So we built a course platform and put out over a six month period. My partner's a DJ and musician. We put out like, I don't know, 200, 300 classes, everything from like three minutes energy booster to 60 minute like psychedelic medicine prep deep dives like you know um death and rebirth experience so all kinds of crazy stuff and we started combining from the modalities we were using in the sauna so you know breath work and self-hypnosis breath work and sound and and we noticed it was it was really when we were doing it it was like kind of social more so than anything else and and fun and just like our space was and so people wanted electronic music and they wanted it, it you know and it was what are people actually going to do? And, and we have, we really like to create things that are like beautiful and awe-inspiring. And so we kind of looked at Cirque du Soleil, Soul Cycle, and we're like, how come these experiences are so powerful and like awe-inspiring and, and it's music, right? And so we wanted it to be fun. And the goal isn't like, hey, I'm going to do this thing and have a breakthrough and change my life. It's great if that happens. But the goal is just, you know, I've struggled with meditation. It's been tough for me to do. I found it boring at times. I don't know what's happening. Well, here's something that you can do that's similar to a fitness class that a lot of people know. And that's where we got the idea to use like that kind of music, make it up tempo, make it beautiful. That's great. I love that. Music is so healing. I mean, they've done so much research about how, you know, when you pair music with exercise or whatever it is, you're not just exercising your body, but your brain really gets this, this exercise and it just catapults you into more joyful states. I know if I start my morning with music, it's like, we're going to be okay today. And I, I really love the music in your breath work. I did your 20 minute breath work and it reminded me a lot of the Wim Hof sessions, but there was just like a little more edge and cool and upbeat. And I felt amazing. I really, really love that combination so much. Yeah. That, and then the idea behind the app was like combining all the styles of breath work with some of these other modalities. And so Wim is amazing. The style he uses is based on this traditional style called Tumo. It's very accessible. It can create physiological change in a safe way. It can create these emotional responses without going too deep, um, that it's dangerous to do unassisted. And so on our app, right. we have like 
you know, we basically have two categories, prime your state and unwind your state. And so prime is like ramping up. So it's kind of like Mm. coffee equivalent. And if you do prime for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you can have full-blown emotional releases where you deal with like fear, grief, anger, and you can like totally get space and let those go. And then unwind is, is, you know, box breathing, breath holds, long, slow exhales, it's moving your uh, nervous system state into what I mentioned before, the parasympathetic or the rest and digest where we find more meaning, more relaxation. And so it's, there was no app that like combined all of those different styles. And then even for the uplifting, if you've done whim, we're combining self-hypnosis prompts. So in the hold, you know, might say something like, how do you want to feel today? Or like, are you winning at life? Just one question when you're in that state where your thinking mind is shut down really Mm -hmm. to prompt the subconscious. And so it's kind of a combination of like Wim Hof breathing, really fun electronic music you get in a fitness class. And then like a bit of self-hypnosis gratitude journal. Uh, And we just found all those things can create the whole goal is to create like an emotional response for people where they're like, wow, I feel amazing. Love it so much. Awesome. Well, Robbie, we want to respect your time. So we would like to just ask one final question. If you can give our audience one final piece of advice, something they can start doing today, right away to improve their health and wellness. I would say the most important for me now is finding 10 minutes, if it seems intimidating to 30 minutes a day to be bored. And so what I mean by being bored, you know, we talked a lot of it about dopamine is and it, find one that works for you that you're going to do each day. And whether it's journaling, meditating, breath work, going for a walk, playing an instrument, just pencil in that, like, you know, start with 10 minutes if it feels intimidating and, and increase it and just do that every day. And so I think giving yourself some time to shut off and not like, Hey, it has to be this or it has to be that. Just pick one that you can commit to that's going to help you shut off and do it every day. Mm. That's great. That's good advice for me. Cause I, I always say I haven't been bored in years. <laughs> I need to find yeah. more boredom time. We that's have to great. make bored cool again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this amazing wisdom with us. We are so excited to keep following what you're doing. And I selfishly can't wait for one of these to pop up in Las Vegas. <laughs> I know Lauren feels the same about New York. Um, yeah. So we will share in the show notes how everyone can find you. So your website, Instagram, um, the app, we'll link to that as well. Is there anything else people should be following or checking in on? Yeah, I think I'm on uh, Twitter at Robbie Bent One. I build all the stuff in public. You know, we share our designs, everything we're doing. And then, uh, yeah, inwardbreathwork.com and Instagram, uh, inwardbreathwork. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robbie. Thank you. Much appreciated. That was really fun. Yeah. And thank you to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.